just a bit outside. Welcome on in to Nate at the Foul Pole. I'm here with my co-host, Matthew Pine. Matt, how's it going this morning? Doing pretty well, Zach. I'm starting to uh, feel a little bit like fall. It's kind of getting to that range. And uh, I was looking at the weather next week, it, like September 1st, it like switches to the 70s like all week. So mm, starting it, to creep, creep down to the fall. fall the, best, the best season of the year. And the be- October is the best month of the year as well. So looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, even though we still got September, which I'm not a big fan of, but you know, maybe some fall weather in that, in that month, hopefully, uh, to come along, but we know, uh, you know, at least we know the Orioles won't be playing in the fall. We can, we can guarantee that this year. And, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they lost 19 straight, Matt, they lost 19 straight games. Um, you know, only four short of an all-time record, which was set in God knows how long ago, like probably uh, 1800s, 1800s. It was like the, I believe the Philadelphia athletics. I could be wrong. on Uh, that. Yeah. I think you're right on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was, it was 23 games that, that team set, like I said, you know, probably over a hundred years ago, uh, the Orioles were at 19. Uh, they, they had a 14 game losing streak earlier this season. And I believe I came on this podcast and said, they will never have one again this long during the season because it's bound to get better from here. And then they did 19. So clearly I'm just wrong. And the mm-hmm. Orioles are really, really bad. Uh, they're, they're indescribably bad. Matt, I, I don't know how much of this team you've watched because it's pretty painful. And it's honestly, for it's even, hard to watch for even diehard fans like us. It's almost hard to watch this team as it is right now. Yeah, to be completely frank, I don't know if I watched a full three-hour game, like start to finish completely during the last 19, 20 games. Um, but there's I no mean, reason to really. Yeah, it's it's so hard to watch. I mean, it's it's it feels like you know what it feels like. It feels like twenty like seventeen that that era when Ubaldo Jimenez yeah. would take the hill and yeah. you knew knew every time you go out he was going to give up five or six runs. Right. It feels like that every single day. Like it's it's. Again, it's historically indescribably bad. The pitching has been incredibly awful, and I don't know how to put it in any other way. That's that's basically the way I can put it, that this team is really bad. Now, they have won two in a row. They're on a two-game win streak as we record this, this on Friday a team morning. Team of streaks. They are a team of streaks, and and you know, right now they are uh they're they're two and zero in their last two games against a very mediocre team. The Angels are not very good, um, and they weren't expected to be all that good. Although for some reason, like I I, I saw this the other day, but Fox Sports had a poll that came out. I think it was near opening day, maybe a little bit before in spring training. Uh, where people actually picked the Angels to win the AL West, which is kind of shocking to me because if you look at that starting rotation, outside of Shohei Otani, there's basically nothing there. Like it's it's bad. Right. So mm-hmm. the Orioles are able to beat you know beat them twice, thirteen to one on Thursday afternoon. Uh, I mean, okay, like I, I <laughs> okay, like that's I guess it's interesting. Um, you know, you, you get the forty wins, that's cool. I guess. I mean. Like I just feel like after you, after you lose 19 straight, you got um, Trey Mancini using Sage in the locker room to do some good voodoo or whatever that is. Yeah, you got chip on your shoulder. I mean, you're probably put it all out on the field the last two games. I feel like that's kind of what, it, what we're looking at. No, I mean I agree. I mean I, I think like 
it's it's great. Like I, I love seeing the Orioles win thirteen to one. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of the people who's rooting for that that number one draft pick. I don't want it. I don't want the embarrassment of having that number one draft pick. Um, and chances are, by the way, guys, that Michael Elias is not going to draft the guy everyone wants him to draft because that mm. has rarely happened throughout Michael Elias's tenure as GM. So what I can tell you is that I would rather the Orioles pick it up in this last month, you know, month and uh, you know, month and change, I should say, of the season, mm-hmm. and have them maybe get the the third pick or something like that. That would be a little bit more understandable to me. Uh, the Diamondbacks are bad. Like, there's no getting around that. They are also really, really bad. They, I believe at one point they lost 17 straight. So they're also bad. But the Orioles are historically awful. And let's just hope this this two-game win streak can turn into maybe like a, I don't know, 10-7 and seven stretch. Something like that would be pretty solid. Yeah, I don't know if we should necessarily expect that. Um, just looking at how the pitching has been lately. Oh, I, I, don't I don't expect it. I don't think the Orioles can get to the third pick. I don't, I honestly don't think they can get there. I think they they easily can get the second pick. I think they can overtake the D-backs. I don't think that's a problem. I just don't see how this team coming off what they the August that they just had is it's possible for them to win that many games to get to number 3. Right. I honestly expect them to win maybe nine more games the rest of the year. And I mean that's I feel like that's somewhat reasonable considering yeah. what we just saw. Um but yeah, I just wanted to take a quick look here at where they're at um, runs per game wise, hitting and pitching. Um, if you don't mind, currently I know we're saying you know they just scored 13 runs. Offense is looking you know better considerable considering the last month. They're still 25th in runs per game. Um, they're 20th in team OPS. I don't see this as big as a problem as, as some other fans may see it. I know we were, we were talking a little bit on Twitter. There's some talk about what they should spend for in the off season. It's got to be all on pitching. It it has to be. I mean, you guys, right, right. you got guys like Adley Rushman and Colton Cowser, especially you know maybe Colton Cowser later in the year next year. But I think the offense is going to be there. I really do. I just think the pitching, which is historically bad, by the way, a, a near team ERA of over six, like it's close to six. Yeah. It's five point eight three. I, I don't see how you can, just can't spend on pitching. No, I mean, the Orioles have punted every offseason under Michael Elias's regime. Um, and that's, I guess, to be expected up to this point. You, they've gone out and they've signed, you know, relatively cheap free agents. And if they do, they cost, what, a million, two million dollars, nothing that's going to put a payroll yeah. um, in any kind of, I guess, hard situation. It's, it's you know, they pay these guys no money. They they play and they trade with the deadline. They've made a bunch of minor league for agent signings. Those aren't really exciting either. Guys like Matt Harvey, Wade LeBlanc, nobody cares. Like, really, nobody mm-hmm. cares. Um, but this year you want to see them go out and sign just two, just two competent starting pitchers and give me like a bullpen guy too. just give me a bullpen guy that can come out there and have a four and a half ERA and be fine. Like, I don't really, I'm not asking for the, you know, our Errolis Chapman or something. I'm not asking for you to trade for him. I'm just saying that get me someone competent in the bullpen and get me two competent arms in the rotation. And I think they will improve dramatically. Like I I'm saying dramatically because like you mentioned before, it's not like this offense is bad. I, I mean, I'm not saying they're good, but it's not like this offense is bad. They are, like you said, they're 25th in runs per game. That's not great. But look, you've got guys like Ryan Malcastle. You've got Trey Mancini. You've got Cedric Mullins. These are really good, I mean, really actually pretty good hitters that are good on any team, uh, not just the Orioles. So I think if the Orioles build around them, you add in Rutschman, maybe Neustrom, maybe Stowers coming up early next year. Yeah, I think this offense could be probably – Top twenty, maybe you know, eighteenth. Yeah, I would say there. middle of the road. Yeah, I feel yeah, like middle of the road sounds fair. And I think that 
if they do that, they'll and, and get some pitching. This could be a 75 win season in 2022. Obviously, we'll we'll talk about this more in the offseason as it comes up. But uh, yeah, it, they got to get pitching, like you said, historically bad. I'm not I'm not nearly as bullish as you are on next season win total at least, but it, it's it's so hard to say. I mean, you never know with with Adley Rutschman behind the plate. I mean, him handling the staff. Yeah, that gives you almost as much value, if not more value, than what he's going to bring to the table with his offense. No, um, I agree. I, I think especially you can't expect a lot out of his offense in a rookie year. You just generally yeah. with, with players. Yeah, I, th- I really think the the step ahead in, in win total is going to come in 2023. I think that's when you can see them maybe getting close to, to a 500. I, I still think this is like a, a maybe a 60-win team next year, just based on what the, the roster construction as it is now. Um, and it, like you said, so two pitchers, two starters, a, a, a reliever. I can't do any more of these no-name pitchers that I've never heard of before come out and just blow the like just blow up give up three or four runs in an inning it's it's terrible no more connor greens no more nobody named connor no more connor wades nobody nobody yeah. named connor at all um you know no none of these pitchers like jay flaw or just any of these guys any of mm-hmm. these pitchers that are 28 years old they haven't made the majors and yeah. they come up for the orioles and they're supposed to throw a few innings i don't want any more of that they've got to change that um and you won't see them lose 19 games in a row next year if that happens i guarantee it i guarantee if they sign <laughs> just one or two competent starters they won't do that um i know i know you're laughing but it's it's true like they i mean 19 games in a row should not be remarked to be like oh okay uh, that, that's true year. that's true good point good point yeah i i can't deny that um Matt, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with this this streak? It's ended. It's over. We don't have to worry about Eric Arditi jumping into the harbor once they got to 20, which he said he was going to do, which I was kind of looking forward <laughs> to, uh, but that didn't happen. I, I There's nothing to be said about it. It sucked. I didn't watch a full game in the entire 19 games that they lost, um, and there was no reason to. I don't really have anything else to say about it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad the monkey is off their back. I'm glad for Brandon Hyde's sake that he – you know, probably doesn't cry himself to sleep every night as much. Maybe, maybe he, has, so does, he but... has to hate this team. Like I, Brandon Hyde has to absolutely hate everybody on this team. I, I mean, if he doesn't, I'd be kind of concerned. Like it, he, mm-hmm. he is <laughs> put in such a terrible situation, and you know, he, he he's not really the scapegoat. I wouldn't say that. Nobody really blames no. Brandon Hyde for being bad, uh, for the for the Orioles being bad, but. Man, Brandon Hyde must go home at night and really, really, really be depressed about this team. It's it's got to be bad. Well, it, it's just so frustrating. I mean, when he goes out there and he makes the pitching change, knowing that he's just giving up more, like that's just <laughs> I know, be right, so right. so very frustrating. I, I really want him to have a chance to have good, a really good roster and some some talented pitchers around him to actually see how he manages that situation. I agree. I mean, I think that's important, and I think that Michael Eyes will see it through with him. I really do. I don't think Brandon Hyde's going anywhere. His option will probably be picked up this offseason. I, I wouldn't expect that any other way. Um, but, you know, the Orioles lose 19 straight. There has been a lot of criticism during the streak that the Orioles, you know, are, are tanking. These tank jobs are not good for the game. Uh, the Orioles have done nothing to be competitive, and the players unions to step in. Mainly from two figures, Buster Olney, Ken Rosenthal. Bob Nightingale's done his stuff too, because Bob Nightingale always does that. Um, you know, guys, guys like this, I mean, they're, they they write these stories more or less to get clicks. They want people to read their stories, and they do. They get a ton of traffic on their pages, um, and they, you know, they let everyone hear about it for sure. What are your thoughts on the comments made by Buster Olney and Ken Rosenthal that the Orioles have not done nearly enough to stay competitive? A. I just want to get this out there. They are correct. 
if you just look at the roster and just see how it's composed, they have not done enough to to win and to be competitive. That is that is one point, and that yeah. is true. Yeah. B. I think it's a ridiculous statement for them to put out there, and I, I honestly feel like they are targeting the Orioles over a team like the Diamondbacks or you know any other team. And I think a just because they play in the AL East, they're playing the Yankees, they're playing the Red Sox, they're they get a lot of attention because of the clubs they play on a regular basis. And B, there's got to be something else going on there. I don't know why they're they're targeting the Orioles. There's got to be some underlying factor that's bubbling up. Yeah. I don't know what it is, yeah. but it's very strange. I, I agree. I mean, I, you're right. The first thing you said was perfect. Um, they're they're not wrong. The Orioles are really bad. Like there is no one trying to say the Orioles are good. None of these people who are who are you know saying, "Oh, Buster, can you're wrong." We're not talking about it because the Orioles are good. That's not our point. Our point mm-hmm. is that yes, the Orioles are bad, but look at the progress they've made in the farm system, which we'll get to in a second. That's the the last topic for our pod today. But you look at the progress they've made there. You look at the progress across analytics. You look at the progress in the international market. They have taken all of these things from very little to very, very prominent uh, in what the Orioles do. And I think to me, has Michael Elias been perfect? No, there's plenty of criticism. And I don't think any GM could be perfect, especially coming into a situation where you had a 2019 <laughs> team that, or a 2018 team, excuse me, that won 47 games and was absolutely terrible. Like they were, they were, they sold everyone off. They had nothing. Trey Mancini might've been the best asset on that team left. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at, you look at what the, the Orioles came in with and you go, all right, you no, know, they didn't come, came in with a lot. I don't really know what else it was expected of Elias. If he had come in and said, we're going to compete in 2019, that would have made no sense. Like that, They would have won probably 60 games if he had tried to compete, maybe sign yeah. a couple free agents. Mm-hmm. I This is what Elias said he was going to do. He came in, said he was going to tear this thing down, and it was going to take a while. Now people are starting to get tired of it, and people are getting frustrated with it, and the Orioles still suck. I get it. The Major League product, it's not as good as I had wanted it to be at this point. I'll say that. It's not as good. I really would have liked to see more progress from a lot of guys at the Major League level. However... However, this is what was supposed to happen, and it's still on track. It's still on track. Well, I mean, you, you just alluded to it, that they have the number one farm system by um, MLB Pipeline. Um, Baseball America just rated them very highly. I think number two, I want to say. Number two, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's pretty consensus across the board. He's doing what he has to do. He has almost an impossible job. If you're looking at the payroll situation, and the market size and the teams in your division, it is almost impossible. And I don't even like personally, I'll admit this. I don't think I realized that when he came in, like the the mountain that he had to climb. No, he's yeah, getting, I agree. He's getting a lot of a criticism, criticism at the moment. I will keep all the criticism on him if this rebuild doesn't pan out in four to five years. And we're looking at the same thing that we're looking at now. I will absolutely be on that train. I just think it's totally unfair to put the criticism on him right now. No, I mean, I I think the, the stuff going around the league, too, about the Orioles tanking and how it's unprecedented, it's absolutely not. Look at the Rays. That's Rays. false. Mm-hmm. Look at the Rays. The Rays from the late 90s to, I believe it was about two years or a year before the World Series here in 08, they were horrible. Like, the Rays mm-hmm. would lose 90-plus almost every – it was like a 10-year stretch from, like, 97 to 07, somewhere around there. The Rays lost about 90 games every year, some over 100. Um this is certainly not unprecedented. It's certainly not. And by the way, I, I know everyone wants to talk about the Astros. I, I, you know, to throw that to the side for a second. That's not even an example I want to hit on. But the Pirates, the Pirates have made the playoffs mm-hmm. like twice in the past twenty-five years, and no one cares that the Pirates because don't. Because they're in the NL Central. 
Right, they're on the NL Central. Nobody cares that the Pirates don't have as good of a farm system as the Orioles, not even close. And nobody cares that the Pirates aren't competitive anytime. They weren't competitive when the Orioles were winning back in you know 2012 to 2016. The Pirates were not winning championships at that time. Uh, not that the Orioles did either, but they were you know in the playoffs and, and going hard on that. Um, to me, to me, the, the criticism is, it should not be at the Orioles. It should be at tanking in the game. I agree with Ken Rosenthal yeah. that tanking is bad for the game. If they put on a salary floor, I would celebrate. I would love that. I, a salary floor would be amazing. Making teams spend, because this sucks for fans. We get it. Like, we don't want to watch this garbage. It's terrible. Like, uh, the Orioles are going to win 49 games this year. They're probably going to win 49 games this year. We don't want to watch that. If you put in a salary floor, great. That's the point you should be making, not the Orioles. Say the Diamondbacks suck. Say the Pirates suck. Say the Orioles suck. But don't focus it all on one team. I totally agree. Um, and you mentioned the Rays there, too. Like, what happened with the Rays? They got right. really smart analytically. Andrew Friedman was the guy. He kind of led them yep. out of nowhere to the 2008 World, or 2009 World Series. Um, or was, was it 2009? It was 2008, actually, because the Yankees okay. and the Phillies were 09. Um, so it's a very, I mean, it parallels very much so to Michael Ice, the very analytically minded, uh, very business-like, just this black yeah. or white, we're making the decision. Right. Um, so and it obviously turned out well for the Rays because they made the World Series. They made the World Series last year. Yeah. Um, but when you get that type of mindset, mindset in the front office, you're bound for success. You know, I got to give credit to Keith Law. I got to give credit to oh, Keith. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm going to read an excerpt of his this morning. Um, and I have to I have to find this. But Keith Law wrote an excerpt this morning that I thought was uh, absolutely fantastic. Not, a, not a guy we uh, normally heap praise on on this. No, podcast. but he this is, ex I think, exactly what my point is, is what Keith Law said this morning. This is about the Orioles and the, the attention they're getting from writers like Rosenthal and Buster Olney. He said, it will turn around. It's just going to take a long time. I see this national narrative, and it's like, you all are just doing this because they've lost 19 in a row. You know, don't kick them when they're down. Take a rational look at the situation they inherited mm -hmm. and the decisions they've made and what direction they're heading. I think their future is brighter than the national media is making it out to be. And they're all scapegoating the Orioles for a more systematic problem in baseball, which is that it doesn't matter if you suck. That is exactly my point. Literally, yeah. precisely, that is a perfect excerpt from Keith Law about this Orioles team. They suck. We we don't want to see it. It sucks to see. But they are not they should not be the scapegoat for what's happening in the game. I'm actually surprised to hear him say that. I mean, I know he's a very rationally minded person, but he like is. he consistently ranks the Orioles farm system far behind the consensus ranking. Yeah. But he even he recognizes that this it's just a stupid narrative. It's just a number. It doesn't mean anything for the future. And we have to look with, you know, clear eyes moving forward. Yeah, no, I, I think that's entirely accurate. And I think that so much of this criticism is just so misdirected and so unfair to what the Orioles have gotten. And Keith Law sums it up pretty perfectly. By the way, I do want to mention Keith Law, too. Ranked Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, or not. I'm, I'm sorry, not Keith Law. I should say Jim Bowden. Um, a different writer at the Athletic ranked Grayson Rodriguez number six on his top 100 rankings, and uh, and Adley Rutschman number three. Um, Jim Bowden said in that excerpt uh, in under you know Grayson Rodriguez's farm ranking that uh, he's probably going to win a Cy Young one day. So that's wow. pretty exciting <laughs> to hear from a former from a former GM like Jim Bowden. Mm -hmm. That's pretty exciting to hear. Um, Adley Rutschman he has him behind Torkelson and Bobby Witt Jr., which I think mm -hmm. is. Honestly, completely fair. If you look at the numbers Bobby Wood Jr. had, maybe not Torkelson. Oh, yeah. I, I, think, I think I wouldn't say Torkelson, but, but Witt. I wouldn't sure. say Torkelson, but I think Rutschman should be ahead of uh of Torkelson, but behind Witt. If you look at Witt's numbers, 
they're unbelievable. Like they are absolutely unbelievable. I'm going to pull this up right now, Matt, because I, I think we have to talk about it because, sure, you know, he was the number two pick in 2019 yeah. behind Rutschman. And the thing too with Wit versus Rutschman, Wit was a high school player. There's a right. lot of projectability there versus Rutschman. You kind of know what he is. He's not a finished product yet, but he's right. You pretty much know what you're in store for. Wit could the the ceiling is as Michael Jordan said, the ceiling is the roof. Astronomically high for Bobby Witt. But right now, in 2021, he's batting 296. He's got 27 home runs. He stole 21 bases. He's a 950 OPS. It's not bad. I mean, absolutely ridiculous like that those are crazy numbers he's 23 doubles four triples those are ridiculous numbers and when you go to adley rutschman it's not like adley rutschman is as you know slack by any means he's had a great year in the liners and he stayed healthy all year which is great but and he, he's a catcher too i mean he's you gotta... a catcher too, and he provides the defense that wit doesn't right. um however if you look at rutschman's numbers batting 284 19 home runs in the year only 904 ops so about you know 46 point, points uh-huh. behind Mm-hmm. And, and Rushman's been amazing. Don't get me wrong. But Bobby yeah. Witt right now, it, to me, and I know I'm going to get hate for this, is the number one prospect in baseball, as I said mm-hmm. at the beginning of this year. Uh, Matt and I couldn't get him in our in our fantasy league, unfortunately. For our, we got Julio. Our he might be number five, Bowden. right? In, in Bowden saying. Wait, what's that? I, don't know where, I said Julio. I don't know where he's oh, right. Oh, Julio. Yeah, I don't thing, know. But he might be number know. five. Julio's numbers, though, have been great contact-wise, not great power-wise this year. If you look, We're talking about Julio yeah. Rodriguez, obviously, of the Mariners. Yeah, he actually uh, crushed it in the Olympics, too. I saw that. Oh, that's good. I'm, I'm going to pull up Julio Rodriguez because he's definitely, of course, in that top, I would say top five, uh, probably top three. I, I think, to me, I, I would rank Rutschman, Witt, and uh, and uh, Julio Rodriguez as my top three prospects. I would not yep. include Torkelson in that. I just don't yep. look at a guy who probably ends up as a third baseman as a top yeah. five prospect in, in, all of, uh, in all of baseball right now. That, I don't think that's really accurate. Uh, but if I do pull up Rodriguez's numbers here, um, so far he's batting 325, 10 home runs, OPS 972. So, okay, pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> pretty, yeah. good. pretty good pick by us there. Yeah, not bad at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's pretty interesting um, to look at the farm rankings. The Orioles are, you know, top ranked by everyone. Um, and, yeah, it's it's exciting to see what, you know, what's happening. And the Orioles are building this minor league system. I, I think I want to touch on this real quick. I want to touch on this real quick. Dan Connolly wrote an article saying that the Orioles don't have enough pitching in their farm system. I want to touch on this real quick. I actually agree with Dan. I, I really do. I know he got yeah. a lot of hate for this. Dan got blasted for this for for no people gatekeeping again. Like stop. You don't have to gatekeep. Yeah. There's no reason you have to defend the Orioles for every little action that they do. Look, he's not wrong. But I think the point Connolly missed is that they did this almost on purpose. They drafted bats super high in every draft. Like they, they you know, basically in, in the top five rounds, if you averaged it out, it's basically all batting. They they literally took hitters all the time. So this is probably to the plan. This is what they expected to do. They took the best player possible in every round and they built this farm system to where it is. Um, I, I wouldn't be really concerned about it because I think the Orioles are very aware. Um, I wouldn't call it, I believe you call it a dirty little secret. I wouldn't really call it that. I would just say it's, it's, <laughs> it's product of drafting hitters really high. That's as simple as that. I really think that's what it is. And I, he's not wrong at all. Like I said earlier, I mean, this is an analytically driven front office. They're going to take pretty much the best value available in the draft. And more often than not, a college hitter is a lot safer of a pick than a high school pitcher. No doubt. No doubt. So, 
I mean, we're, we're seeing what Colton Kowser's doing so far. He has a, a OPS over a thousand so far in his two stints in the minor leagues here. Yep. Um, he's looking like a, he's looking like a terrific player. I mean, yes, the Orioles, they have a lot of talent. They're going to end up buying the arms. I really think they're going to end up buying the and problem trading that, for the arms. Trading. Yeah. Trading. I don't know about buying. I don't know what pitchers are going are actually going to want to sign in Baltimore. I, I have a very bad suspicion that no pitchers are going to want to sign in Baltimore because of Camden Yards. But trading for pitchers definitely would work. And the Orioles are going to have the, the farm system depth to do that. And you and and to Dan's point, he is right. Like you I'm, yeah. I'm very disappointed in, in what's become of Dean Kramer and Keegan Aiken and some of these yeah. guys. Oh, they're, they're not the <laughs> Through seven one run ball yesterday, so we'll ERA it. over seven though. I I, yes, I get yes. it. He he's been yeah. He was great uh, yesterday. Um, but yeah, these weren't the caliber of pitchers that they have in the minors and the Dia Halls and the Grayson Rodriguez. Rodriguez is I can't even say his name. Grayson Rodriguez is. <laughs> it's a hard name to say. But um, you have some concerns with Dia Hall injury wise. You have some concerns with some of these other guys. And when they hit the major leagues, who knows what happens? Um, he's he's correct about that. Um, but I, I think you're right on the point that he missed. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, you know that kind of that kind of wraps up the whole point is that the Orioles have a great farm system. They're not good at the major league level, and it hasn't really gone as well at the major league level as everyone wanted want it to be. I, I think that sums up the whole 2021 Orioles experience and all of this criticism and hate. It's a little bit unfounded, but Matt. I think that kind of wraps it up for our podcast today. We've both got to get back to work, uh, unfortunately. But um, I, I, anything else before we get out of here? No, I mean, um, yes, it's disappointing. We don't really know what the future holds for the Orioles. I mean, it, some of these guys not developing. Some of these guys really developing, like Cedric Mullins, Ryan Mountcastle. Um, but I would just say – hold the Twitter fingers, just, just ease up a little and just, I'd say relax. I mean, we don't know what's in store. I would continue to trust the process because everything we're seeing at Bowie, everything we're seeing in the minor leagues is very, very promising. So I would just yeah. say, take a deep breath. Agreed. Uh, but make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, subscribe to us on YouTube uh, and listen to us anywhere where you get uh, your podcasts. Uh, we are Nate at the Foul Pole and we will see you in our next episode.